0: Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and natural intelligence. In fact, we're actually going to talk about using artificial intelligence to improve natural intelligence. So yeah, edtech. Education is one of our institutions that is both most in need of disruption and most resistant to disruption. And there's probably no small amount of cause and effect in that statement. I mean, the reason education is in such need of disruption is because it has been so hard to change for so long. Although almost every other aspect of our lives has been transformed Education has changed very little over the past hundred years. Not just in Japan, mind you, but all over the world. Well, today, we're going to talk about exactly why that is and what the hell we can do about it. So I'd like to introduce you to Daisuke Nada, founder and CEO of Atama Plus. Now, Daisuke left a long and lucrative career at Mitsui because he believes he has a better way to help people learn. Now, In the interview, Daisuke and I talk about Juku, and for those of you outside Japan, I should probably explain what Juku are and why they're important to innovation and education. Juku is usually translated as cram school. They don't really have a parallel in the West, but they're very common in Japan and in other parts of Asia. Juku are schools run by private companies and Japanese high school students attend Juku after they finish their regular classes and on weekends and holidays. The purpose of these schools is to help the students score higher on their college entrance exams, or in the case of junior high school Juku, to increase student scores on their high school entrance exams. Unlike the high schools and junior high schools themselves, however, Juku are private companies, and some are even publicly traded. Juku compete fiercely for students, and they're evaluated based on how well their students do on the tests. It's no surprise that they're willing to try new technology, and why most education innovation in Japan focuses on Juku. Now that you have that background, our conversation with Daisuke will make a lot more sense. Of course, we also talk about the challenges he faced when deciding to leave Mitsui, and he has some practical advice for how people who are not plugged into the startup scene can find co-founders. But you know, Daisuke tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So we're sitting here with Daisuke Inata of Atama Plus, which is AI for education. So thanks for sitting down with me today. Thank you very much for coming into our company. Well, listen, AI for edtech is really vague, and there's a lot of companies doing it. So why don't you explain what Atoma Plus does? We are trying
1: to provide AI program to high school students and junior high school students in Japan. We provide a personalized curriculum, which consists video lecture, exercises, and tests analyzing a lot of data of students, such as
0: proficiency, learning history, consideration level, and so on. Okay. Well, what kind of classes are you targeting? Is it like mathematics or language or history? At this moment, we provide mathematics
1: contents okay. to high school students, but we are preparing other subjects. So we will launch our new products of
0: English grammar, physics, and so on. Tell me about your customers. Who's who's using? Atoma Plus products now? Is it uh, the government or Juku, the cram schools or universities? Or? Our business model is based on B2B2C, okay. especially
1: B2Juku to students. I don't know if you're familiar with
0: that term of Juku. It's for, for our listeners overseas, the Juku is, prep school doesn't quite get the intensity uh-huh. of how cram school is good. It's, uh-huh. So it's, it's for students many many Japanese students go to cram school yeah. after their regular lessons yeah 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 to study for university exams yeah, 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 yeah. the last year of high school, almost 70 percent of
1: students go to Juku after the regular schools and almost 70 percent of third year of junior high school go to juku concept of juku is very popular in Japan
0: yeah well later on I want to talk in detail about innovation and education and EdTech. But I find it interest- interesting that in Japan, Juku will be innovative. There are private companies that are competing with each other. It's not like high schools or universities, so Juku seems to be the ones that will try new technology in education. Yes, that's why we want to innovate education together with Juku. Well listen, before we dive into ed tech and AI for Education, I want to talk a little about, about you. Mm-hmm. So looking at your history, you seem like a very unlikely entrepreneur. So you graduated from University of Tokyo, you worked at Mitsui, which is a well-established, well-respected Japanese company for like 11 years. Why, why leave Mitsui to start a startup? <laughs> Uh, During Mitsui, I had been in Brazil
1: for five years. I started education business in Mitsui. Firstly, there was no education business in Mitsui. We founded a joint venture between Mitsui and Benesse, which is the largest education company in Japan in Brazil. So that's why I started education business. We planned to bring Japanese education know-how from Japan to Brazil.
0: How did that work out?
1: Unfortunately, financial result was not good. They decided to close the company. So we closed the company and I stayed in Brazil and I started another business of education in Brazil again. With Mitsui? With Mitsui, actually, we invested in a tech company in Brazil and I was working there.
0: But what was the trigger that made you leave Mitsui and start, and start Atama Plus? I returned to Japan. I was trying to
1: start new education business inside Mitsui, but it's a little bit difficult and slow to innovate education in huge company. So that's why I thought it's better to start. From the scratch.
0: Let's talk about that because I think it is... uh, I work with a lot of different Japanese companies. Some are startups and some are really huge companies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the larger companies... The problem is not that there aren't creative, innovative ideas. There's plenty of people with great ideas. Mm -hmm. But they have trouble getting the ideas to go sort of up the chain of command so that people will make a decision and act on them. Was, Was that your experience in Mitsui as well? If I continue to work in a traditional huge company,
1: I didn't have any option to work in another huge company. But compared to a startup company from scratch, I thought it's more speedy, it's
0: more creative, because we could start from there. Was your family supportive of that? Because that's a pretty big change from going to like University of Tokyo and Mitsui that's a definite sort of lifestyle track yeah yeah and then leave and join a startup it must have surprised a lot of people yes
1: it was surprising (laughs) but for me it's much more important to
0: realize my dream so are, are you married no 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 I'm single yeah That must make it easier to make the decision. Yeah, 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 I think so.
1: (laughs) And also, uh, I started the company together with my co-founders. And with them, I
0: thought that it would not take a huge risk. So after 11 years in Mitsui, how did you meet your co-founders? Actually, my friends at the university. I called
1: my friend, who is a best guy of business, who worked for Recruit as a CEO of in China. And also I called a best guy of engineering, studied together with me
0: in the same class. So was this part of just like the University of Tokyo Alumni Association or... Were these people you were calling them for like the first time after 10 years, after (laughs) graduating?
1: The co-founder from the business side. Mm -hmm. I was talking with him about the possibility to start new business always, even during the time of the universities. When it comes to the co-founder of engineering, I spent a lot
0: of time to get his decision. I think that's important because so many younger startup founders, startup founders who are in their early 20s, who are still at university, it's very easy for them to network and find Uh co-founders. A lot of people who are working at big companies and who want to start a company Uh say that one of their biggest challenges is finding co-founders. So, Actually, at the university, we were talking about
1: the possibility. But we stopped the discussion. We liked the company. I liked Mitsui, he liked recruit, he liked Microsoft. But I started the discussion again with them.
0: So just after 10 years, you said, "Hey, remember what we talked about in university days?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the time came. And he said, "Yes, let's do it." <laughs>
1: Actually, I think in November, I talked to the CEO. We discussed in one month, and we decided. And regarding the CTO from Microsoft, I had been talking with him for one year. Okay. He has his family. He has two children. It's spent more time.
0: Right, much harder for him to get approval from his wife. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) has to convince his wife. We both know Tarara-san from Sansan, who's been on the show before, who's also from Mitsui. Are there a lot of startup founders from Mitsui now? No, no, no. no. It's not like the community. community. No, no. (laughs) Actually, there are few founders
1: from Mitsui, and they communicate, but the number of the founders
0: from Mitsui is not so. Still very slow. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are your colleagues from Mitsui? Are they supportive? Are you still doing business with Mitsui now? It's not popular to leave Mitsui before (laughs) retiring, but they are supporting a lot. That's great. What advice would you give to other people working at large companies who are thinking of starting a startup? When I was working for
1: Mitsui, I was thinking that creating a new company from the scratch would be very, very, very challenging. It would take a lot of risk, but now I understand. Of course it's very challenging, but it's not so big challenge. Everyone can try, everyone will do it, but first step is very hard step for workers at the huge company, I think.
0: Uh, So you think that people like imagine it being much harder than it really is? I think so. Yeah, I think that's true of most things. <laughs> <laughs> People worry too much. Mm. Another big difference at startups than working at large companies, startups tend to focus on the problem they have right now mm. that's right in front of them. Mm. Larger companies like to plan for every possibility. Mm. I, I think so,
1: especially now, nowadays. It's not so meaningful to plan. No, five years, three years. We have to resolve the problem now. It's a big difference between the startup and
0: the large companies, which I learned. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's, I think it's just planning is safe. You know, taking action is the risk. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about AI a bit. Mm-hmm. Atoma Plus uses AI, but, but what exactly are you doing? What, what are you analyzing and what are you, what are you doing to make a customized learning experience? Our students
1: study with our application inside the tablet. The program identify what they don't understand really. Our AI creates a personalized curriculum which consists video lectures,
0: exercises, and tests. So for example, study tools that help people review, they've been around for a long time, like basically flashcards type study tools have been a long time around for a long time. But Atama Plus actually pulls together different video, creates a whole new course for each student. Yeah, but we have a lot of contents. We created a lot of
1: contents, including video lectures and a lot of tests.
0: How do you measure
1: success? Firstly, we check improvement of their score. But for us, it's more important to observe the users directly. We go to Juku and we observe the users and we have interviews with them. And then (laughs) we easily understand how they feel, what they think about our product.
0: How do you balance that? Because it sounds like... There, there's two approaches to improving Atoma Plus or any product like this. So one is that direct human interaction where you're actually watching the students interact with the program and then making judgments based on that. But that's not artificial intelligence, that's just you know, regular intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other way is more artificial intelligence, the raw looking at the data and looking at the interactions. So with Atomic Plus, what's the, what's the balance between those techniques? The both is very important for us. We are
1: an AI company, but we want to innovate education. That's why when we observe some needs to improve the experience of education, we develop something not related to AI too.
0: Okay. You know, education has been... It's been one of the areas that's been like most resistant to innovation or certainly disruption for like the last 150 years. It's been basically the same. We'll bring in new tools, and, but it, it's the same basic structures. We talked before about Juku, since they're private and competitive, being willing to innovate more. But have you found, for example, the Japanese Ministry of Education or universities? <sighs> Have you found other schools that are also interested in trying this technology?
1: Yeah, yeah. Many schools approached us, but I think almost all schools,
0: unfortunately, don't want to change education dramatically. How much freedom do Japanese schools have to make decisions like that? Because the Japanese Ministry of Education decides on a very, very detailed level what will be taught. (laughs) You know, every seventh grader in Japan is learning the same mathematics lesson this week as every other student in Japan?
1: I think public schools in Japan, they have strictly regulars. But in case of private school, of course, they have to use some materials, but they can teach
0: best way they think. Why do you think That education has been so hard to innovate and so hard to disrupt over the last hundred years or so? Because every parents
1: have their experience of education. They don't need to change the images. For for example, uh, when it comes to the smartphone, the parents didn't have the smartphone. Now they have a smartphone, but at that time they have their schools. So they don't need to
0: change the image. So each, each generation, you think, just has this, they carry the same image from their childhood and, and said, ex- oh, this is what education yeah. is. But in, in case of Juku,
1: the business model is changing always. That's why it's easier to innovate
0: education in the Juku market. It makes sense because the Juku are competitive. Students select which Juku they go to based on results. Yes, yes. yes. And... Elementary school, high schools aren't. I mean, there are good private schools that have good reputations, Uh but it's not the same kind of direct competition. Well, companies like Atama Plus and many other successful companies in ed tech business are providing like study tools. So it's the same education format, it's just helping the students learn better in that environment. You know, the first step was just oh, we'll put all the books on PDFs, and uh-huh. we'll, make, we'll make videos uh-huh. of the lectures. Uh-huh. That's not really changing anything. It's just uh-huh. changing format. Uh-huh. And the next generation is really using technology like Atoma Plus is to, to make learning more efficient, mm. to, to give students tools. The next step would be changing the structure
1: mm.
0: where it's not just uh, listening to lectures mm. Do you see that kind of change happening in Japan? We are trying that. Yeah. We want to
1: change the structure. We provide not only education tool, but also education contents, teaching method, coaching style, everything related to the education in order to improve the
0: quality of education. But as long as your customer is the Juku and you're doing B to B to C, Yeah. As long as you have that relationship, your mission is always going to be sort of helping the Juku. Do you plan on changing things, either by like going online directly or...
1: (laughs) Actually, we want to start the new structure of Juku. Inside one class, they have 15 to 20 students, and each student study with our contents. But inside the class, they have human coach, and a coach focus on coaching. The coach encourages the students. The coach doesn't teach. Who teaches is our AI. So the technology focuses on teaching, the human coach focus on coaching. This is the model we want to create. And the big pain of Juk Market is the lack of teachers.
0: So that's why we want to create the new model together with JIC. Okay. So, An interesting thing about the model you're explaining, it, it sounds like you think that that physical presence is still very important. Yes. That it's still very important for everyone to physically get in the same room. Yes. Physical place and human coach are very
1: important. Why is that? If we provide online program to consumers directory, they can easily study, but... I think it's just for the top students. the top students know about what topic they don't understand, what is their weakness, but the majority of students don't understand what is their weakness, so the coach has to support them. It's better to study together with their friends
0: okay so so. Your sort of ideal situation is one where the artificial intelligence is doing the teaching and deciding how to put the lessons together and the human intelligence is helping the students decide what it is they need to learn and what they should focus on.
1: But, But besides, our AI also supports the coaches to encourage the students in the right moment with the right comment. Everything related to coaching we support.
0: Do you ever think it'll get to a point where it's all done with AI or do you think there'll always be a need for a human coach or teacher? Or... I think always coach human teachers are very important. I think so too. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean going back thousands of years of course teaching was always one-on-one mm-hmm. and that There are very successful platforms like, say, Coursera, Mm -hmm. or uh, the iTunes Mm -hmm. lectures, and wonderful resource. But it does seem only a small percentage Mm -hmm. of people can learn effectively Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with those tools. Top students, I think. Yeah. So we'll always need that kind of human
1: interaction. We want to change the problem of Japan. We don't want to
0: help only top students in Japan. Yeah. Well, Actually, let me ask you a question about AI in Japan, because AI is such a hot topic right now around the world. With all of the research that's being done in AI, um, particularly in the U.S. and in China these days, do you think that Japan is kind of falling behind? <laughs> it depends on
1: what kinds of AI. Well, AI means a lot of things. That's true. In general, I think. When it comes to the software of AI, the U.S. is most advanced country. But I think in case of hardware of AI, Japan is trying to
0: get better position. So the hardware meaning like the, robots. the GPO, like the AI robots. Yeah, yeah I think that's true. Mm-hmm. So many companies now are open sourcing their AI libraries and... You can get artificial intelligence computing on Google Cloud and Amazon. If AI is becoming so open source, what's the best way that, that AI startups can build, build a market and defend it?
1: We focus on the problem. We don't focus on AI. We use some technologies, some open source technologies. Depends on the area, we can get some technology from third parties.
0: But we want to focus on the problem. So the best thing is just to treat AI like a, a simple tool, just like a database or something. Yes, I think so. That makes sense. And build the business around your own expertise and your own innovations. Yeah, I agree. Long term. I know there's a, lot, a big market to build up in Japan. There's very few tech companies that are global. They they seem to be focused on particular school systems or particular sets of clients. Do you see Atoma Plus expanding internationally? Or do you think that education and edtech startups, there's something about it that makes it a a local or national market? At this moment, we want to focus on the Japan market.
1: But after that, we want to try something outside Japan too.
0: Why do you think it's so difficult for ed tech startups to move into new markets? Because education is local business.
1: The content is different. The curriculum is different depending on
0: each market. That makes sense. So we all might learn the same ways, but the requirements for what we have to Mm. learn are different in each market. And I guess the, the customers are very different in each market. Okay, listen, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question, and that is, if I gave you a magic wand and I said you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the legal system, the way people think about risks, you could change anything at all to make things better for startups in Japan, what would you change?
1: There are not a lot of startup companies in Japan because of the lack of information about the startup market. I didn't know about real things about the startup in Japan when I was working for Mitsui. Almost all people don't know about the startup ecosystem, how to create a company how to recruit
0: the people. They just don't know it's it's possible, or they just don't know the step-by-step of how to do things. Traditionally thinking,
1: almost all people think, ah, it's very high risk, very difficult to leave the huge companies to start new business. But the reality is not so very difficult. So maybe sharing the real information, what is happening in the startup ecosystem, would support the challenges.
0: Is that more information or is it more kind of use cases? Maybe. So we need like people inside these, these big companies to see examples of people like you and Tarara-san who left and start their own companies.
1: Maybe it's better to... Taking entrepreneurs to high schools to share the startup real information with the students because they start thinking in a traditional way when they are
0: students. So by the time they get in the big company, it's too late? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) So like high school age? Junior high school and high school. Oh, okay. Because at that time, students are starting to imagine what their career is going to be yes. and what their options are. And yes. Actually, what is
1: happening in Japan is they don't have contacts with adults. They know their teachers, their parents, and maybe teachers at Juku. So if they didn't have... Good contacts to get more information, real information in the world, they would think in the same way with the parents and the teachers. And of course, they don't have any experience about startup. They say, ah, you have to go to the large companies, you have to continue your career. So gradually, they think the traditional way.
0: That makes sense. And in the same way, education doesn't change because it's always the last generation's image gets put on this generation. Yes, yes, yes. They have to talk with
1: another guys in addition to their teachers and their parents. And actually, I
0: think you're right. If you reach people in junior high school or high school age, those students still kind of believe in themselves. They still believe that, oh, I can make this thing Uh and everyone will Uh love it. uh uh And... The older you get, <laughs> the less you believe that. Yeah, <laughs> But they can do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, Daisuke, thanks so much for sitting down with Thank me. you. And we're back. Artificial intelligence is one of my favorite topics, but it's always been something that is very hard to talk about objectively. It's hard to define exactly what artificial intelligence is. On one hand, we have the marketers trying to convince us that every use of statistics or adaptive behavior of any kind is some kind of artificial intelligence or machine learning. And on the other hand, we have academics who keep moving the goalposts further and further away. When computers learn to paint or compose music or play chess or go, people make the argument that those machines are not really displaying intelligence. I think the real reason we have such a hard time defining artificial intelligence is that we have such a hard time defining what intelligence itself is. We don't really know. I mean, we love to talk about intelligence. People who claim to have a lot of intelligence love developing tests to measure intelligence, to quantify intelligence. But we can't seem to agree on exactly what intelligence is. Now, I'm not going to pull you down that particular rabbit hole today, but if you feel like diving down yourself, you should pick up a copy of The Mismeasure of Man by Stephen Jay Gould. It's an amazing treatment of the subject that'll have you thinking for months about what we classify as intelligence and why we care so much. Intelligence is complicated and abstract, but education, ah, education, education, That is a process that's right in front of us. We can see it. Daisuke's point that a human being will always be needed in education is an interesting one. And it's one that goes against what most other ed tech startups are claiming. But you know, I think Daisuke is right. The importance of education is more than pouring facts and skills into young brains. Of course, the skills are important but equally, or perhaps even more important, is the fact that our education system really defines our society. We all grow up with a shared set of knowledge and an understanding of not only our country's history, but we grow up with shared experiences and shared challenges. Our educational experiences are a big part of who we are. And maybe that's why education is so hard to disrupt the education system is not always improved by greater efficiencies or lower costs. Perhaps, just perhaps, it is those very inefficiencies and frictions of one-on-one teaching and sitting together in classrooms and complaining to each other about how hard math is that provide the most value. It is the human interactions and inefficiencies that we remember most, and come to define us not only as individuals, but as a society. If you've got thoughts about education or intelligence, artificial or otherwise, Daisuke and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com show 112 and tell us about it. And when you drop by the site, you'll see all the links and notes that Daisuke and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.